When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is, this, this, this is views is from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen, with the midweek edition of the Views from Midstreet podcast on the Odyssey Network. Welcome in. Great to have y'all with us one more time again as we continue to celebrate a big dub over Tom Brady and his Buccaneers this past Sunday. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show based in Greenville, South Carolina on the Fan Upstate. And joining me, of course, as he does every single episode, my co-host, my partner in crime, the great one, Lonzo Reitzel. And before we get too deep, I do have to apologize because I know that I sound like crap. I can't help it. Big weekend of hosting some different sporting events around the upstate of South Carolina and... The changing atmosphere kicks me square in the backside, uh, like Mac Jones might, for instance. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that wasn't backside; that was front yeah, side. So, yeah. yeah, that was bad. Come on, Mac. Come on, man. That's terrible. Either way, I know I'm not going to be as boisterous as I traditionally am. Uh, Lonzo will pick up that slack. He will be yelling in my stead. Yeah, during the course I'll of do the that. Today. You know what? A, another person who would not be boisterous was the person who got you know kicked by Mac Jones. <laughs> he would be boisterous. It would just be much more high pitched than it may have been before that game started. What a joke, Mac. What are you doing, my guy? What are you doing? That's not the Nick Saban way, Mac Jones. Or it is. I don't know. I don't know. Either way. Uh, a victory for us, not having to play Mac Jones. Uh, well, and- even if we even even if the Panthers were playing, you know that team, uh, Mac Jones is is on the bench. Benched, now. yeah. So. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is where every middle school coach at some point during that game went, and that is why we always said, "We're your athletic supporter." Ladies and gentlemen, in case you come For across sure. on you know, Mac Jones. And, and I don't know if I should have went there because apparently one of our stories hit really well uh, in Boston, and now I just ruined the whole thing. We <laughs> just ruined the whole thing. We're no longer big in Boston. Oh, well. We were so big in Boston, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, great to have you guys. We are obviously on the midweek edition of the Views from Midstream podcast, available where major podcasts are found. Going to break down some of the things that have been going on around Carolina since that victory. And has the defense been traded yet? Has the defense been traded? I'm sorry. I was told on some podcast like a week ago, I don't remember who it was, uh, that there would be no fire sale in Carolina. Uh, and, and it turned out perhaps that that host knew what he was talking about as we are now so, six days away from the deadline and no fire sale yet. So you think a victory would keep that from happening, even though we know that offers were being made and we're not near the deadline yet. 
It's still got what? No, it wasn't going to happen anyway. But now it's certainly not because with the Ravens win on Thursday and a Panther win at Atlanta, which is very possible, uh, we would lead the division. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, one more time again, a week ago on this pod, we had a very long discussion about whether or not it was appropriate to tank in the National Football League in order to grab the first overall pick and have the pick of the literate quarterback. And instead, a week later of talking about tanking, we are talking about what we need to do this Sunday to lead the division. Granted, it is a garbage division, and anybody who makes the argument to the contrary is lying, but... Even winning a garbage division, you still get to hang the banner. You still get a trip to the National Football League playoffs. And I saw on Reddit earlier this morning a thousands of comments long discussion about would you rather tank or play for a divisional championship? And while I have no problem with the concept of tanking in order to grow long term, if you can win the division, win the damn division. It's that simple. What, what if you? Uh, what if you're competing for the division? You come up one game short. Was it worth it? If you were in it until the very last game, yes. The okay. minute. Here's what I'll say. The by the minute, way, by the way, I don't think you should tank for any reason. I just wanted to see where Rob stood on. I'm that. team growth. I'm team long term investment. But the minute we are either mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, yes, play the backups. Let the young guys go in there and get some time. Let the backups go in there and get some XP because you don't know who's going to stick around and not. Uh, I would also say if, if, you know, if we hit a point where the Buccaneers fix it and make a deep run and they go two, three, four games up on us in the division, then yeah, even if we're not mathematically eliminated, if we are improbably far from a divisional win, go ahead and start train wrecking the thing to get a better pick. Uh, But until we are at that point, no, I mean, again, we have got an opportunity with some help from Baltimore on Thursday to control where we stand in the, in the division and to make ourselves divisional leaders If it comes down to it, identical win record over Tampa, but the tiebreaker in our direction with that win last Sunday, no. I want this team to be absolutely rolling on Sunday. I want the best Steve Wilkes has to offer. It is why I have said P.J. Walker should start on Sunday. And while Steve Wilkes did not explicitly say that P.J. Walker will start on Sunday, he did say that he sees no reason why he would not. It is an implication without tipping the hand. P.J. Walker played a better game Sunday than Baker Mayfield did at any point during his stretch as starter. PJ's the starter because we've got a chance to win the division. And as Zoe said on the show earlier today, go with the hot hand. And he is right now. Yeah. I'm not saying it'll work. But I don't go bu- for it. I'm not, I'm not buying it. I just, I'm just not buying it because he left some, some wiggle room in there for one of those guys, either Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, to wow him to the point where he could say, they did so well in practice, there's no way that I could not uh, put them on the field. So that that is a possibility. In the end, I don't care who starts at quarterback as long as they are the best one to bring around the victory. Uh, regardless, go win the game. Go win the game Sunday, right? Your destiny is in your hands at this point. Uh, well, not entirely. You need a little help from Baltimore. But even still, if Baltimore does not beat Tampa Bay, which based on what we saw out of the Buccaneers on Sunday, they should, they should, if they don't, 
we're still basically a half game out, right? With a lot of football left to play. Go win the football game. Go beat Atlanta. Put Atlanta in their place. Put Atlanta where they should be. Tied with the Saints for the worst record in the division. Put them in the bottom where they belong and go get that dub and put ourselves on top or at least within a very reasonable striking distance of Tampa and up until Tampa finds themselves and becomes the team that Vegas and most of us thought they were going to be preseason. Keep Pounding man. I wish you would quit saying up until Tampa finds themselves. If Tampa finds themselves. Because they're not going to. They're absolutely not. Um, what a what a nosedive for them. And we know it starts at the top with, with, with the coach and with Tom Brady. And yes, they have a bunch of injuries, but they're, they're on a serious slide. Whereas Atlanta is mediocre and that puts them on top and that's a shame because the Panthers have the potential to blow past them this weekend and have the number one spot in the south and still could end with a winning record it's still a possibility even with five losses yes you can win with a a, you can end with a winning record win the south probably lose in the first round of the playoffs but you don't know um but, yeah, but just like the Philadelphia Phillies were supposed to. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. The 80 win team out of the National League is in the World Series while three 100 win clubs are all sitting at home. Hot watching. hand. Hot hand. It's all about the hot hand. Uh, but we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves because it was just one victory Sunday. And I don't want to I don't want to be the Yeah, yeah, it was just one victory. What is happening right uh, now? That's my job, Lonzo. Well, That's my line. I just don't see how you can win more games going forward with PJ Walker. I just don't see how you can do that. Because the offense, yeah, they ran the ball finally, but you're going to have to count on uh the quarterback for a little bit more than what you had to count. Face it. Tampa Bay's defense was missing a bunch of people. So it may have built up PJ Walker into something that he is not. I uh I don't think any of us should be in a spot right now. Uh I don't think any of us should be in a spot right now where we are looking at PJ Walker and thinking he's the savior, right? He's been on this team. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting, man. No, I agree. I've seen a lot of folks out there. Like there's whole uh, message board threads right now that are singing the praises of PJ Walker. By the way, I hope they're right. I I hope he, I hope he, he's absolutely everything. They're not though, right? We know that if PJ Walker was the answer, PJ's had his chances. He's never done enough to start consecutive games in his career until this point. It's kind of, I'm and for the record, it's not just PJ. I'm having the same conversation with Panthers fans who are like Sam Darnold's back. Sam Darnold. it's like guys, you saw Sam Darnold, you saw what he is, he showed what he can do. Now, there is a valid argument that you saw Sam Darnold under Matt Rule and you see what the Panthers team now is under Matt Rule. They went to LA, they had 4 days to prep under Steve Wilkes and they for the most part, we're competitive with the Rams until late in the game when the word of attrition set in. Then they turn around the very next weekend and beat Tampa Bay. It is a valid argument to say it is different without Matt Rule at the helm. Maybe Sam Darnold will be this dude. What I don't need you to do at this point 
is to take a hot hand quarterback out in P.J. Walker to go with Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield as an experiment. You know what you are. We said this in the Monday pod. You are a run team. The identity is established. There is no coming back. You are a run first team that utilizes P.J. to keep defenses honest. And that's good. That's what he is. And he's good enough at that. What I don't need is for P.J. to go out and connect on three or four passes, get a couple down the field, and then everybody start freaking out. And then they change the offense to try to go wide open because P.J. completed three or four and get away from the identity that we just established will help us beat a Super Bowl favorite. All right, let's go the opposite of that. Let's say that PJ is the starter, which everything is pointing towards him probably being the starter. Let's say he gets in there and he stinks it up and he shows that he is what he has been, the fourth string quarterback who quite possibly was not going to be on this team if if injuries hadn't have come about. What if he gets out there and he stinks it up? What's he, what if he gets out there and he fumbles the ball and throws a couple interceptions? Do you bench him or do you stick with him? Uh, I, listen, as a run-first identity, if he's putting the football on the ground, you make the change, right? If it's fumbles, yeah, I make the trade. If he throws a couple of INTs, I'm going to need to evaluate it in the moment, in the context of the INT, right? Like if they are, if, if they're putting eight in the box and dropping man on man against everybody else and he's just throwing it to individual coverage guys and getting big, no, I make the change. If he's getting fooled and adjusted and we're running the ball, we're not running the ball into a pass first defense, I'm going to put that on Ben McAdoo and Steve Wilkes and not PJ. But either way, you have established all of that comes down to we established what we are this Sunday. We know what we are: a healthy dose of Foreman, a nice spill of of Chuba Hubbard, uh, the occasional third punch with maybe DJ running some gadget stuff as a rusher, and then just let PJ throw. Just a- PJ needs to be what. What we think he is, he needs to pass 10 to 13 times a game to keep defensive backs from blitzing every time. And we run the ball. If we do that, and he's throwing picks, make the change. But if we're asking him to throw it 25 times a game, that's on us. All right. Worst case scenario, if you have to pull him and Sam and Baker both are available, you, Rob Brown, which one are you picking? If all three quarterbacks are available. And you, if you have to pull PJ, if he starts and he struggles, and you're going to pull him for somebody, who goes Baker. in, Sam or Baker? Baker, I'm okay. going Baker, and here's why: we've seen what Sam did last year under Matt Rule. We've seen what Baker did earlier this year under Matt Rule. But of the two of them, only one of them has had success. It was Baker Mayfield. Now, you're going to have people who are going to discredit that. They're going to say he was playing playing behind a great offensive line in Cleveland. Well, guess what? We have in Carolina all of the sudden. Are they great? great offensive are, are they great yet? Yeah, they're all, they're on the edge of great. They are on the at the worst, they're on the edge of it, right? I, I would say they they're are really the, good for sure. The offense right now is predicated by the offensive line, right? Well, I think the biggest question is could they run block? And I think they, uh, they showed last that. week that they can do that. But as far as the as far as the discussion we're having, if you're asking me Baker or Sam, if you are one of the guys who said Baker played behind a great offensive line in Cleveland, well, we are very close to having that in Carolina if we don't already. So let's see. He's had success behind that. If you say that he was playing with some very good wide receivers in Cleveland, which is true. Well, guess what? Robbie Anderson is gone. DJ Moore broke and broke out. He had seven catches, but he had a more DJ Moore expected game this past week. We've got some young guys that we think could be very good. Shy Smith, 
TMJ. We've got some guys that we expect to be very good secondary and third wide receivers. We have built what Baker had in Cleveland and are on the verge of hitting that stride. Baker had success with that. Now without that rule, without the pressure of Sam breathing on him because that was how rule taught him it was going to be in the preseason. Let's see if dude can turn it loose a little bit. It's got to be Baker. Yeah, no, I agree with you. If for some reason you don't go with PJ Walker or if you do and you have to pull him, you got to go with Baker Mayfield. Uh, For all the reasons you said and because – Sam Darnold's been out the entire season, and Baker Mayfield's only been out a couple weeks. So as far as that goes, even if it's a matter of being in NFL shape, Baker's closer to it than than what uh, Sam Darnold would be. That's a fact. The views from Midstreet Podcast rolls on. Rob Brown wants to write to it with you. The midweek edition is here. Of course, make sure you, if you haven't done so already, if you just stumbled upon us, go to your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and download and subscribe, or wherever you get your podcasts, Stitch, Apple iTunes, Google Play, make sure you are subscribed to and downloading episode by episode the Views from Industry podcast. We drop you three of these every single week. We'd love to make sure you're on top of your Carolina Panther news talk and information as we bring it to you every week single week, week by week. So we talked offensive line in the last segment. I want to do that again here. A couple of things, a couple of highlights. Before the year started, I said on this pod, I want to say the last pod before week one, maybe the one before that, that I thought that Bradley Bozeman ought to get a crack at center, right? We've seen what Pat Elfline was able to do. Well, he goes on the IR last week. Bradley Bozeman has to step into that spot. It is his first regular PT of the season this deep into the season. What did Bradley Bozeman do? Well, if you go by PFF grades, you talked about that many times on this pod. They are something to be considered, not the end all be all, not the gospel, but something to be considered here. Bradley Bozeman earned a PFF grade of 93.2 last week. That is the best single week grade among all NFL centers so far this season. The best single grade of any center in the league was set by Bradley Bozeman last week. What does that do? It means that the guards can be a little bit more comfortable and trust that the guy in the middle is going to keep the A-gap on both sides clean. It allows them to focus to the outside. And we saw a direct result of that, too, because the grades for the tackles are up. Versus Tampa Bay. Took 24 snaps as a pass blocker, zero sacks allowed, and it has not been responsible for a sack since week two. We got a bunch of L's sacked up in that. Since week two, it has not allowed a sack. We talked about it in the last segment, Onzo. They are working on it. This offensive line is very close to being exceptional. And it is one of the reasons that I've said you do not see, I do not see a fire still coming down the peak. We have got some foundational players in some really good spots. 
a Kwanwan Bozeman bracketing Michael Jordan have allowed Jordan to be much better at that left guard spot. Austin Corbett has been dealing with some injuries. He's still been good at the right guard spot because you've got Taylor Moton over there, the vet who was holding this whole thing together with Bozeman on the inside. Elfline, when he comes back, you know, I, I know there's the phrase, you can't lose your job due to injury. Yes, you can. If somebody steps in and outperforms how you were performing when healthy, and that's what Bradley Bozeman just did with the Kwanu, Jordan, Bozeman, Corbett, and Moton, we have quietly built one of the better offensive lines in football. And guys like Shua Hubbard, guys like P.J. Walker, guys like Deontay Foreman, guys like LaVisca Chanel Jr., when he's run some of the gadget plays, they have benefited from that. I will go ahead and say that for those of you that wanted Federer gone alongside Matt Rule, this is why you don't. He built this offensive line with some input from Matt Rule, and now we have quietly assembled one of the best O-lines in football to line up across one of the best D-lines in football. I got to say, you know, in the history of the Panthers, I think they've, historically, they've done pretty well as far as drafting goes. I don't think that's ever been that much of a problem. I, I don't recall the Panthers drafting too many guys that ended up being busts. They've been, they may not be the need that the fans think is there uh, all the time, but the guys that they bring in, like Aquanu, we were so happy about that. Uh, of course, would have liked to have, it to have been a quarterback, but if it wasn't going to be a quarterback, getting that tackle was the move to make, and they made it. And yeah, a little shaky that first game or so, but after that, man, he is... He's gotten right in there and and performed. I know that an offensive lineman's not going to get rookie of the year. But if anyone, if it was possible, don't you think he would be up for that with as well as he's been playing? I think so. I think so. I um I don't know why they're not eligible just because they're not they don't touch the ball. Uh but if you're really good, you're really good. Shouldn't matter what position you're in. I uh I look down this offensive line that we've built, right? And and I think you're held together by the three most important positions in that order, right? Left tackle, center, right tackle. Your guards are more often than not going to be heavily impacted based on who's lined up and bracketed them on both sides. If you've got a young rook, who by the way, and we talked about this, struggled out of the gate, and we knew he would. I but, used the phrase but he was going up times. against he's going up against a great defensive line in Cleveland and a a defensive line that was spurred on by emotion because of the whole Baker Mayfield situation. I get it and I agree. No, you're right, but that is part of growing pains, right? Part of growing pains is hey, sometimes you're going to line up against an all-pro. And sometimes you're going to grow up you're going to go up against an all-pro that's got a grudge he's trying to settle with the guy behind you. It's going to happen across the league. That's part of growing pains is learning what it's like to play against a great defensive end, especially one who's out for blood. It's he could, he could have very easily buckled. He could have folded, and that could have been the season. Sure. Uh, his mentality the rest of the way could have been, uh, I'm in over my head, but it wasn't. He got better every single week and continues to get better. That's a fact. And and I guess that is, that's kind of the point that I'm driving at here ultimately is that 
this offensive line has built an outstanding mentality right now, right? They have built an outstanding mentality. They're leaning on each other. They believe in each other. The two guards who are probably the two weak spots on the O-line are very trusting of the guys at the left and right tackle. And even with Pat Elfon, who was playing fine, Bradley Bozeman, the guy that I wanted starting at center before the season started, came in in one game, short notice, stepped up, and had the game of his career against a very good Tampa Bay defense. Tampa's kind of in the same spot that we're in, and that they've got an exceptional defense, but an offense that can't get it done behind Tom Brady. He stepped in against a very good defense and freaking held his own. We did to the Bucs. What the Bucs were expected to do to us, right? Like we flipped that script and Bradley Bozeman was a major part of the reason why. The only reason I bring this all up is there's been all the talk, all the talk about the offense, about how they're struggling, about how they haven't been able to get there. And would you look at this? You built the offensive line. The offensive line has gotten better and better. They competed for three quarters with the defending Super Bowl champions. They beat Tampa Bay, who was probably the second or third most highly bet on team to win the Super Bowl out of the NFC. This year, the boys up front, the fat boys, the hogs, the big guys, whatever you want to call them. As far as I'm concerned, I'm glad to see the breakout of Foreman. I'm glad to see the breakout of Hubbard. I was glad to see P.J. LeClean. None of that happens if these five guys didn't just put the league on notice that we have quietly assembled one of the best offensive lines in football. And as far as I'm concerned, they deserve more credit than they're getting, even from Panthers fans. And you know what? They're not going to because offensive line never gets the love that they deserve. Uh, I speak as a former offensive lineman. You know, people don't realize how important they are, especially those prima donna quarterbacks. The uh, PJ, if he remains a starter, needs to buy this offensive line something. I don't know what. I know they're rich, but you got to buy them something. <laughs> you may not be wrong, honestly. You might not be wrong. All right. Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to get into after the offensive line. Like I said, I just, I, I, I think that they deserve to get talked about more. I think they've earned that. Uh, the other big story that came out this week was that the L.A. Rams reportedly made us an offer for Christian McCaffrey as well as a couple other teams. There were two that got taken seriously, the Rams and the 49ers. The 49ers offering a second, third, fourth, and fifth. Apparently, apparently, the L.A. Rams came to the table with an offer as well. Their final offer to Carolina was a second and third in the upcoming draft a fourth and a fifth in the 24 draft and running back Cam Akers as a replacement for Christian McCaffrey. We ended up scratching that offer and going with the 49ers. And obviously a lot of folks have asked, why would you go second, third, fourth, and fifth instead of second, third, fourth, and fifth and Cam Akers? Well, we kind of brought this up on the last pod to some degree, Lonzo, in that there's a reason Cam Akers was sent to the pine in L.A. We don't know what it is yet, right? We don't know what it is. The fact that we don't know why Cam Akers was sent to the pine, the fact that even the shefties of the world can't drop that info on us right now 
is the reason that Cam Akers isn't a dude I would have made a move for. There is something happening there. It might be that he's butting heads with a coach. Not something I want to do with an interim coach. It might be that he is complaining about PT. Not something I want to happen when I've already got a Cam Akers in Dante Foreman in the backfield. And when you've got a guy like Cam Akers who is not producing right now and you throw him into the mix, you bust up the chemistry that's already built in that running back locker room at this point, and then you pile on the fact that if you ask most NFL talking heads, and I consider myself one of them, who I expect to go deeper into the playoffs right now, despite the record, it's still the Rams, right? It's still LA, which means that while it is second, third, fourth, and fifth, the same picks you were offered from San Francisco, I fully expect that the second, third, fourth, and fifth from San Francisco will end up being higher picks than the second, third, fourth, and fifth that you got from the LA Rams. That made me lean towards going with the San Francisco offer as the Panthers did. I think we made the right move. Akers would have blown up chemistry. He would have wanted to be a feature guy. You already found your moves with the guys that you have, and you probably have those four picks drop further back in the draft. But you're also, if you if you would have brought Akers in, you're also bringing in his money that you'd have to pay him, which you're not having to do uh, in this other deal where they let McCaffrey go to San Francisco. So that frees up some money to do something somewhere else because there's still time the Panthers can still bring somebody else in and the question is you didn't want that other running back and obviously the reason why is because you believed in the running backs that you have right now with Chuba Hubbard and with uh, uh, Foreman and and to their credit they were right at least one game so far the two guys you got uh, are pretty good so the question is that with that money that you saved who should they bring in what position do you think the Panthers should try to to bring in, if any? As of right now, uh, you know, I, maybe a receiver. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you need. I don't think you need. I mean, to bring you got rid receiver. of you got rid of your number two, and no one's no one stood out as a number two yet. But it's still early on. Someone can step up and and be that number two. Uh, do you bring in more defense? I mean, what do you do? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, you've had a lot of defensive injuries. I think maybe you could build some depth there. But again, the question's going to be now, how do I do this without a trade? I don't want to trade anybody. I mean, if I, if, if, as, as, and I'm going to go with Fitterer's word from his presser last Friday. If somebody comes to me with an astronomical, that was his word, an astronomical offer, right? Hey, so, some of those offers for Burns seemed like they were pretty good. They just don't want to get rid of him. Right. Now, I think we've we've heard that there has been as high as an offer of two first-round picks to bring in Brian Burns or to trade Brian Burns away. It's not worth it for me. That guy is two first-round picks. He is a generational player and a heart and soul of foundation. If somebody comes to me with three first-round picks... I start to kick it around a little bit. I start to think maybe there's a maybe there's something there for that. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to bring in a guy for a draft pick that is going to be when we get fully healthy, a reserve player, right? I don't need to bring in a defensive back to fill in if JC's out for some level of time for a JC Horn or a Xavier Woods or a Jeremy Chin if they go out. 
a guy who's going to be a reserve player and it's going to cost me a fifth rounder. I'd rather just have the fifth rounder so that when the draft rolls around, I've got that in the back pocket to fill a need as opposed to fill a need for this year. And now while maybe the mentality, because this is this is the kind of interesting spot we find ourselves in now, as we talked about back in the first segment, what is the mentality here? Is the mentality... We are all in for a divisional title is the mentality. Hey, we're going to try for a divisional title, but we're also going to be making sure that we're looking ahead to the future and we're looking ahead to the next draft. Like what's the mentality this team adopts? I kind of find myself in the middle. Yes, we're playing for divisional title with the understanding that the probability we still win it is not half. It's probably less than half. I'm still shooting for a title, but I also have my chameleon eye turned to the future and draft picks are more important than bringing in a backup quarterback who's going to be a spot duty guy and special teamer at best. Whereas that fourth might grab me a full-time contributor sometime down the line. I'm not ready to push with that aggressive mentality quite yet because winning the division is nice. But as you and I both said in the last segment, you have to keep in mind winning the division Kind of, I don't want to say feels like, but it kind of feels like we're pushing towards, okay, we made the wild card playoffs and then we're going to get bumped in the first round because our record is third best in every other division in football except the NFC North, which is also a dumpster fire. I'm not quite ready to make that turn yet. You know, I'm not giving up on this season yet because there's still plenty of games left to play and it could end up with a decent record. You absolutely could still end up with a decent. What, What do you consider a decent record? The only thing I want, the only year that's acceptable to me this year is when the playoffs. Anything else, okay. I don't care, right? If you gave me the option. So what if they end up with 10 wins? And miss the playoffs? No, no, I, I want the, the playoffs also. But what if they end up with 10 wins? Make the playoffs, I don't that's care a, if that's you That's a pretty good season. Make the play, right, but again, and I guess this is the this is the, 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 the that difference in uh, football psychology that you and I have, and we've, we've debated and discussed many times. 10 wins and don't miss the playoffs, I, I might as well have two wins. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, right? Like, oh, yay. You know what it matters to? It matters to Steve Wilkes. Yeah, sure. Sure. But Steve Wilkes staying on as the head coach is less important to me than having the best available draft pick we can get, right? I like Steve Wilkes. I don't know if he's the head coach. Frankly, and this is the mentality I hope the team has taken too, Steve Wilkes might be good enough to be the next head coach. You know what else he might be? Not good enough to be the next head coach. We are learning. Am I go as you said earlier? It's one game. It's one we won one game against a team that was a double digit favorite, but it's one game. What happens if we roll up to Atlanta this Sunday and we get beat by Marcus Mariota? All that goodwill's right back on, right? It's right back on. If he goes and builds a two or three or four game win streak, something Matt Rule was unable to do, then you got me scratching the chin and going, hmm, maybe we found something here. Maybe we're on to something. But this Atlanta game is going to go a long way into dictating how I feel about the next couple of years of this franchise. All right, the Views from Mint Street podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel with you here. 
If you are listening for the first time, just finding the pod, make sure that you subscribe to the pod. Download the pod wherever major podcasts are found on the Odyssey app for free or for free on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. You'll get alerted when we drop a new episode. As of right now, the schedule, we drop a reaction pod on Monday, a midweek pod on Wednesday, and then a preview pod on Friday. And as we get set to play Atlanta coming up on Sunday, we will have a Falcons guest on the show to break down that game from both perspectives. So make sure if you haven't done so already, you are subscribed to the views from Mystery pod so you can hear us talk ATLVCAR with a little both sides perspective on the pod that will be dropping coming up on Friday. All right, speaking of draft picks, and I won't spend the entire rest of the pot on this, but as of today, where we stand in the 2023 draft, as of today, we would have the number three overall pick. We would have the number 40 overall pick. Then the 43, that's our first pick from San Francisco. The number 79 pick from San Francisco. Our next homegrown pick would be pick 102, then 110 from San Fran, then 133 and 195 to wrap it all up. So we end up with eight picks in the upcoming draft. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is very interesting, Lonzo, because I think most years, even in this division, right, with the exception of, what was it, 2014? And I think we won the 2014 division with what? Uh, Like a seven-win record, right? Because the whole division was garbage that year. Uh, It's kind of the same situation. You stick us in literally any other division in football right now, all four AFC divisions or the other three NFC divisions. We are, a, we are second or worse in all of them. The divisions that we would be in second in, we are distant seconds, right? The Vikings are five and one at this point. Uh, you stick us in the East, we're in third. I'm doing this off, the, off my head. We're third in the East. We're second in the North, but the Vikings would have a two and a half game lead here, obviously pending us having played them. You stick us in the West, we're third. You stick us in the AFC, I think we're second in one division by two games, and we're third or fourth in all the rest. Any other division in football right now, we're looking at eight picks in the draft, and it's a rebuilding year. Definitely. But you know what, Rob? We're not in any of those divisions. I agree. I understand. The point is, and we brought this up very briefly in the last segment, the mentality is going to be, are we going all in for a division, Or are we all in on the rebuild right now? Now, I think anytime you have an opportunity to win the division, you go busted to win the division. The only reason, and I said I'm fence sitting on this. I try not to do that, but I said I'm fence sitting only because, though, we got eight picks coming up in this draft. We've got half of those inside the top 80 picks, right? We will pick three times before a couple of other teams pick two in this upcoming draft. If you have a rebuild, this is exactly the structure you want for it. You want to have your dead money gone, Robbie Anderson. Your big contracts gone, Christian McCaffrey. See, see, this is the thing, though. Is this a rebuild? I know we keep fighting over this, but is this a rebuild? There's, There's one major thing missing, and that's quarterback. I mean, 
the offensive line, we just talked about how good the offensive line is. We know the defense is really good. What's missing? Quarterback. That's it. So if, if you've got all those pieces, uh, again, could use another really good receiver. But other than that, if you've got all those positions, is it a rebuild year? If it was a rebuild year, if it was a true tanking year, then Robbie Anderson would have been gone with one of those offers. Some of the other guys would be gone. So it, it can't be rebuild. You just need a quarterback. So I have said, both on the Rob Brown Show, which airs 9 to noon, you can listen to that show for free on the Odyssey app as well. Just search the Fan Upstate, click the heart button, and listen to the Rob Brown Show when Lonzo and I talk about this and everything else every single weekday. We talked about this on our show. And my take was that at the end of it all, we need to hit on the right head coach and the right quarterback combination. And you got to take the shot, right? I think you got to go big, find the right guy. How many teams have we seen their franchise change because they hit that combination? Drew Brees and Sean Payton in Carolina. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in New England. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians last year, I think, are the perfect example. Arians leaves, Bulls takes over. He's not the right guy for the job. The Bucs are not good this year, despite having almost exactly the same team that they had last year that went to the NFC Championship game and lost to the eventual champs, and the team that two years ago won the Super Bowl. It's almost the exact same team. But without Bruce Arians, they're just not the same team. You got to hit on the head coach and quarterback combination. But at the same time, and I agree that's the baseline, at the same time, don't you want to make sure that your head coach and quarterback, when you get the right combination in there, don't you want to make sure that they have the best available group of tools built around them so that it can be long-term and not a one- or two-year kind of thing? But they already do. Are you disputing that the, nope. uh, we just talked about the Do offensive think, line? I, I, I agree. It's a very good foundation. That's why I'm the one that said this is not a fire sale. This is not a breaking apart process. But it's also not rebuilding. You just you just need a quarterback. And a head coach. Yes, I yeah, agree. Yeah, the, the, the head coach has nothing to do with the, I mean, it's we're talking about the Todd team. Bowles no, 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 no. No, we're, we're talking about the team. As a team, the talent is there for this to be a very good team. They just need someone to lead them on the field. Correct. Can it be better? Yes, you can always be better. Well, you can be better in a right. lot of aspects. You yes. can always be better. But Listen. if you but but the thing is, so uh, how many spots will you drop before you can no longer get that quarterback that you need? F- to four. Okay. Honestly, I mean, you got you got three. And here's the thing: All right, who are the two teams that are ahead right now? Let me say this. Let me uh, say this, and then we'll get there. Outside of Joe Burrow, and outside of Lamar Jackson, and even that one's kind of up for debate right now. Outside of those guys, let's be real. The NFL has not had a lot of surefire quarterbacks that have come in and gotten the job done, right? A lot of quarterbacks have been taken early in the draft that just did not pan out, right? Uh, and you can take that all the way back to Jameis Winston. I don't know. You can throw Patrick Mahomes in there. The Chiefs traded up to get him, and look True. what he did. True. Uh, but again— the, But the, he wasn't lauded like all those right. other guys. And he, he about. Exactly right. He when I, say, when I say draft quarterbacks, I'm talking the guys that were labeled— can't miss prospects, first overall guys, right? Like top guys. Joe Burrow 
in in the last handful of years is really the only one that popped out as that guy figured it out. That guy's got it right. That guy is together, which is why we are having this really interesting conversation about the rise of backup quarterbacks and the fact that so many QBs at the top of the game right now are old guy quarterbacks, the Brady's and the Rogers, et cetera. Uh, because there has not been a lot of can't-miss definite dudes, which is part of the reason I'm also saying you lean forward into winning the division until you can't anymore, because even if we were to go get one of the three guys, which I think the guys right now are Stroud, Hooker, and Young, right? Those are the three guys. If you go get one of those guys, I got cons for all three of them. I really do. Hendon Hooker's athleticism makes him a threat at Tennessee. It is negated to some degree at the NFL level. Uh, You know, very few guys are Lamar Jackson where that style of game translates to the league. With Bryce Young, an undersized cat, uh, that is is going to rely too much on being protected by a fortress of an offensive line. Now that might fit fine in Carolina. We'll see. Uh, and then C.J. Stroud has the same, and I don't know if this is fair or not. But C.J. Stroud is going to have the same knock on him that every other Ohio State quarterback has had. You have got every single year an in, insane wide receiver lineup at Ohio State that can make average quarterbacks look good, good quarterbacks look great, and great quarterbacks win a Heisman, right? And there's been a lot of criticism that I think is fair about Ohio State quarterbacks not working out at the league. It's almost a joke at this point. So there's knocks about every one of those guys that make them... I still don't get why how they're supposed to do anything about that request that they have lesser receivers. No, I, I mean, you know... Right. I, I'm not saying they do. You go to Ohio State, you play the best football you can play with those players, but it still creates the knock again. Them. It's not like a personal shot at Ohio State. It just is what the narrative is right now. Uh, that being said, all three of those guys have a lot of pros and a few cons that make them, as far as I'm concerned, none of them are like can't miss definite draft guys, which is why I'm all in for the division. But with eight picks, you can go find a dude who is a playmaker to pair with one of those cats if you're inside the top three, maybe four, maybe five picks. But you're gambling. You're rolling the dice either direction. And the part that holds me up is, even if we go to the playoffs, we are still likely a one and done. But we also said, and I did, I got no shame in it. We also said we'd lose to Tampa this weekend, right? We also said we had no shot against Tampa and we beat them. That's part of the fun of being a fan. So I don't know, man. I just, I'm... I kind of feel like we're in the very interesting middle of a weird scenario that if we were in any other division, this wouldn't be a conversation. Any other division, this would not be a conversation. But we're in the one we're in, and the one we're in is set up for us to go win it. Well, in the end, I'm going to stick to my guns on this. It's not rebuilding. You just need a quarterback. The question is, if you continue winning, are you going to be able to get that quarterback? I'm not so sure you're going to be able to. So then what do you do? The other option you have, you do have four extra draft picks to make a move. True. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Any final words for the people, Lonzo? That was my final words. I love it. I love it. That is it for this episode of the Views from Mid Street Podcast. Again, if you haven't done it yet, do us a favor. Subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast, and make sure that you download every episode because we're going to be breaking stuff all year long. Next episode drops on Friday. During that episode, we'll be talking with a fan, a not a fan, a guest host 
out of Atlanta to talk a little bit about that game because the NFC South lead could very well be on the line. We will talk to you during the Friday pod. That's Alonzo Reitzel. My name is Rob Brown. We appreciate you listening. We'll see you back here on Friday. Keep pounding, baby!